Do y'all remember those uh, old slide projectors? You know, the ones that had the little slides with the cardboard frames around them? You, you, we've got one. We've got one here. In fact, we've got one that's got a lot of, of pictures I'd like to get developed uh, or, or put digitally so we, can, so we can see the history of this church. My grandmother used to have one. And uh, occasionally I could prevail upon her uh, to let me drag that projector and um, the heavy, awkward uh, screen, huge screen, out from the garage and, and wrestle it uh, into the living room. Uh, even though that she had had this thing for, for 40 years, no one ever remembered how to set it up. Which way did the legs go? Does the screen, is it open from the top or from the bottom? And, and then how do you even focus this thing? In this um, part of the book of Acts that we are about to hear, Luke, who is our trusty storyteller, had hauled out the screen and the projector and blown off the dust from his old slides, and he is clicking away like the missionaries who used to visit my church in Thomasville, Georgia, giving the highlights of their travels. Click. Ah, and here is the one of the Pentecost. You can kind of see the flames from the time the Holy Spirit gathered people from all the different backgrounds and, and cultures, and they all heard the gospel in their own language, and they became followers of Jesus. Hmm. Click. Oh, and this is Paul uh, after he went blind because he saw Jesus on the road. Oh, that was something. Click. Oh, and this is all of us disciples at, at Saul and Barnabas' commissioning as evangelists. That was such an exciting day. Click. An image flashes onto the screen. Luke says, Lydia, as the smile spreads across his face. And he retreats into the wonderful memories stirred by the image projected on the screen of several women gathered in front of a gently rolling river. Standing a bit awkwardly among them are Paul and Timothy and Silas. So let's turn to Acts 16 and join in Luke's missionary presentation. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us today. During the night, Paul had a vision. Three, there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. So we set sail for Tros and took a straight course to Samothrace, following, the following day to, uh, to Nepolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a, a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. 
the Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Living God, you sent your apostle to preach the gospel among women gathered by a river in a secluded place of prayer. You opened their hearts to love and to receive your word as truth. By the power of your Holy Spirit, fling wide the doors of our hearts this day as we hear your word of life, that we too may open our lives to serve your world in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today is a special Sunday, at least for me. Today we have heard the two Bible passages from which Ellen Stockstill and I drew our daughter's names. This is a special gift of the prescribed lectionary readings, which I did not notice before this week. Lydia Grace is named after Ellen's grandmother, Lydia Albert, and also this dealer of purple cloth in the book of Acts. Pressed upon this story in our Bible at home are the purple flowers that I picked from our front yard the morning that we brought baby Lydia Grace home from the hospital. It's a name I'm grateful to say many, many, many times each day, sometimes quite loudly. <laughs> River's name comes from the passage that Nancy read from Revelation. River's full name is River Zoe. Zoe, or Zoe in Greek, is the word for life. Revelation 22:1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. We chose our home on 2nd Street in part because it is a block away from the Susquehanna River, which we can see from River's Nursery. We love to take walks along the river. I find a deep connection with the many references to rivers in the Holy Scriptures and our songs. Also, already having one very active, determined, and willful child, we named River in hopes that, like a river, she would go with the flow. <laughs> we hoped the biblical roots of their names would, in some fashion, be reflected in Lydia Grace and River's lives. So these verses, they have a unique significance to us personally. I can't read them any longer without thinking of our children. But aside from their personal significance, these texts take us all to a place of healing and of promise, down to the river. Rivers are very important throughout the Bible. Rivers signify life. The Nile and the Euphrates in particular for the ancient Hebrews. You may remember from social studies class how the Nile River provided ancient Egyptians fertile land for growing ample crops in the desert. How around September each year, the Nile would overflow its banks, bringing to the land rich black soil to renew the farmlands. In the Old Testament, God creates the rivers, and this means that God provides. It is truly their God. 
God can also dry up the rivers, even the Nile. God can change their courses and make them flow in arid places. In the Psalms, rivers join in the chorus of praise to God. Rivers provide food, water, purity, healing, and life. In the New Testament, Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. And as he emerges from the waters, God declares Jesus God's beloved Son. We heard in Revelation an image of hope and peace for what God will bring to all the earth. The eternal kingdom of God is a holy city with a river. On either side of the rivers is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. Isn't that a beautiful image of eternity? Life is springing up abundantly healing producing fruit, redeeming all of the land. And it is down by the river where Lydia, the woman of purple cloth, is found with a group of women. The setting, with its cultural significance, is also peaceful, intimate, just the right location for the Apostle Paul, Timothy, and Silence in the midst of their missionary journey to take a stroll and to worship God on the Sabbath. The evangelists had spent several days in the Roman colony of Philippi, and they needed a place to spend their day of worship and of rest. Apparently, there was no synagogue in town, so they went out to the river, supposing that to be a good place to pray. And I suppose it was. For there they found not a building with an altar and pews and stained glass windows, but flowing waters, trees, plants, birds, and a group of women. Paul, Timothy, and Silence sat down and they spoke with and listened to the women who had gathered there. Lydia was European, Greek from the city of Thyatira. She believed in God. And that's an unusual thing for an area, for the area where she lives, in which most folks would have practiced a cultural Greek polytheistic religion with its oracle of Delphi. This is not a Jewish area. There is no synagogue in her town. While Lydia does worship God, she's not really Jewish either. She's likely not following the Jewish laws. She does not follow the norms of her culture either. She does her own thing. For Lydia, faith in God is a commitment, not, not something that's convenient. We also know that she is an outsider in Philippi. Perhaps her trade as a dealer in purple cloth brought her there. Lydia is an immigrant, a small business owner, likely well-educated, and an independent woman. While she had some wealth, she owned her own home. It's not clear whether she was rich. Her trade was purple cloth, which is luxurious, an expensive textile reserved for the upper class and royalty. Its value was actually equated with that of silver. So Lydia was definitely close to the wealthy. Lydia is important, not because she comes from an important family. We don't know. 
She's not important because of her relationship to a man. There's no mention of a father or a brother or a husband. Her value doesn't come from good connections. Her presence in the story of the birth of the church tells us that God values women like Lydia. That God chooses just such a woman because she could be trusted to fulfill a great mission. See, down by the river where life is born, where saviors are anointed, where the healing of the nations is promised, where eternity will thrive, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to listen eagerly to Paul's stories of Jesus' life and love. She got baptized that day, probably right there in that river. Lydia responds to the grace she hears by stepping into the moving waters, letting them wash over her as the Spirit of God washes over us all with forgiveness and mercy. And then she leads her people into the same waters. My friend Aram asked her Facebook community this week, when you think of a woman who gets it done, someone she said like Michelle Obama, how would you describe her in three words or less? Grit, grace, and gratitude, said Rachel. Passionate, gracious, determined, said Annie. Confident, determined, exhausted, said Michelle. Funny, kind, courteous, said Jill. Forced to be reckoned with, determined, a handful, said Melanie. Open, curious, resourceful, said Allison. Gumption, fierce vulnerability, and grace, said Sarah Diane. Reclaimed her time, said Siobhan. I married her, said Kirk. His wife, Darlene, confirmed this. Did you notice how many times determined was used? What does it mean that determination is such a key feature for a strong and accomplished woman? Could it be that the challenge is greater? The scale already unequal, the mountain higher to climb, the task and responsibilities more numerous and weighty? that to get things done absolutely requires determination. So God brought Paul to an already proven woman who gets it done. Lydia, who immigrated to further her business prospects, found her place and flourished in a male-dominated patriarchal society, who gathered with other women on the Sabbath, the picture of sisterhood building each other up, nurturing and empowering. God, who chose a woman to single-handedly bear God's flesh into the world, chose this woman, Lydia, to bear the good news of God's determined, unrelenting grace for the world. Grace like a river. God opened Lydia's heart and Lydia opened her home God used all of her incredible gifts and strength to support God's agents of love, to become one of them, messengers of peace, evangelists of salvation. 
Luke confirms that in Lydia are all of the descriptors of a woman who gets it done when he says she prevails upon us, convincing them to stay in her home, hospitable, generous, eager to expand her life, her calling, and her church. Lydia was also the very first European Christian, determined and impactful right there by the river, powerful, enriching, nurturing, unrelenting river of life. God's promise is a river to renew and sustain life, to bring healing and wholeness to a broken creation. God provides. God will bring new life to dried up places in our lives and in our communities. God will overflow the banks with grace upon grace to nourish our souls. God will bring us into the presence of people like Lydia, who know the good news, who open their hearts and their homes, whose strength, determination, and grace are a source of new life for all they meet. And I can attest that this is true today, because when I look out from this pulpit, I see so many women who get it done. Lydia wasn't just one woman a long time ago. God continues to call women like Lydia, like you. I see her reflected in you. As the father of Lydia Grace and River, it gives me great comfort and great joy that they and indeed all who gather here to worship with you and in life will be nurtured and inspired and guided by the women of this church gathered in this place of prayer washed together in the waters through God you prevail upon us all and thanks be to God. Amen.